But eventually in the hospital, in the hospital, there will be a mini manufacturing suite that is while you're in your hospital bed, they will ship your blood to a section of the hospital and they will then manufacture um, a drug specifically for you, tailored to you. This world is coming. There was $20 billion invested in it last year. Hey, this is Aaron Price and I'm so excited for today's discussion. Welcoming back a previous guest, Angelo Stracotanio, the CEO and co-founder of Apprentice.io. And normally we high five at the end. We had a good little backstage combo to kick things off. I don't know if good's the word, but heart to heart moments. We're gonna start with the high five in the beginning. One, two, three, boom. Yeah. You know, that was a good vibes uh, high five. But today we're gonna talk about, you know, since we've checked in from COVID to cancer, how AR and AI are ushering in the next evolution of therapies. The last time we sat down, we talked about tech accelerating the COVID vaccine, what that rollout would look like. Now we're at a place where 50% of Americans have had at least one dose and just in the last couple of days, now 70, I'm sorry, 50% of Americans have had, are fully vaccinated and 70% of adults have had at least one vaccine. So I'm curious from your perspective and where you sit, what have you learned in the last six months? Yeah. So first of all, Aaron, great, great to be with you um, as always, because I really believe that not only is this market changing here um, and what we're doing in life sciences, but New Jersey is is flourishing too. I think, you know, especially as of when this is being recorded on the middle or beginning of August in 2021. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, I think we're all going through this reopening and we're coming back. And I think there's a lot of hope and optimism abound. Uh, and a lot of it, you know, we do uh, very much distinctly contribute, uh, attribute that to pharma manufacturing, our customers, uh, the folks uh, that are around the world that have been working tirelessly on getting this vaccine to market and getting it to all of us um, so that we can hopefully uh, keep ourselves safe and our families safe and our community strong because this this pandemic has been we're a year and a half into this now and it's been it's been a lot it's been it's been really challenging but i really think that uh, what I'm most hopeful about, most optimistic about are those statistics that you shared, because, you know, I just think that the, the trust and uh, ultimately the comfort that our country has with these vaccines and how they've been effective uh, to date is really a testament to the hard work that our customers um, have been doing over these last over the last year and a half. And specifically, specifically what we've learned over the last six months, um, I think there's been a big change. Uh, there's been a big change in two different ways. Um, and what's interesting is that uh, not only has commercial manufacturing, commercial production increased quite dramatically, because how this is all happening behind the scenes is that new manufacturing sites have come online and the speed in which those manufacturing sites and the speed in which the actual drug production is getting up to speed uh, is, is actually quite dramatic relative to early in the pandemic. Because early in the pandemic, a lot of those manufacturing lines and suites uh, took quite a while took quite a while to set up, but now there's a playbook. There's a playbook, folks really understand this, and there's a much broader and more powerful opportunity to both what we call scale up manufacturing at a single, single site, and then scale out manufacturing to many different sites around the world. So this whole scale up, scale out process uh, has really been honed in in the last six months. The, these folks are getting really good at what's called a uh, new product introduction, effectively bringing a new product, COVID vaccine, into a manufacturing facility, get it up and running, and then ultimately produce it with high reliability. Uh, the second thing that's really interesting, so that's just how the whole manufacturing process is changing, what we're seeing. The second thing that's really interesting, though, is that 
myself is include, I'm including myself in this, which is we take for granted that the U.S. is doing quite well in vaccine distribution. Uh, but worldwide, you know, there's still a challenge and we're seeing a shift forming and a focus turning towards other markets so that this can be a vaccine that is open to humanity and not just uh, the developing nations, but but really the people around the world that, that really need uh, this vaccine in order to keep themselves and their families safe. So what we're seeing is a shift in production and a shift of market focus um, outside of the US because that was kind of step one. Step two though, we're seeing the manufacturing change. We're seeing manufacturing sites come online in Europe, uh, South America, parts of Asia, India, we're seeing these sites come online and we're seeing then the production of that being tailored to the local markets so that everyone has access uh, to this, this vaccine as, as best as we can and as best as it can scale as quick as we can. So it's a pretty interesting dynamic of what's changed in the last six months. Not only is the manufacturing getting smarter, but the market geography and and what they're producing the material for and whom they're producing the material for is also shifting, which I hope, you know, this is the, the last stage of this fight, which is getting it out to everyone and not driving some of this, this background for you. Absolutely. So first of all, we are a New Jersey company. Uh, we are headquartered in Jersey City, um, which we're very excited about. We just moved into a new office, uh, believe it or not, in the middle of COVID because our team has grown 5x year over year, which has been quite a dramatic rise. We've raised over 40 million dollars to date and we're literally fundraising right now again uh, to, to hopefully continue to scale out our team because what has happened in this last year is that life sciences, um, has gone through a pretty major change. And not just with COVID, uh, we'll talk about in a minute, the, the new things that are happening around cancer and personalized medicine. And, and even there was news in the last month around CRISPR, which I can't wait to share, super exciting. But the point is this industry is going through these major changes. And so we built out a piece of software um, that we're calling an intelligent manufacturing execution system that does exactly that. It manufactures, it helps these companies manufacture their entire drug products um, from end to end. And so we've been in this quite a while now, over seven years, uh, and we're excited to continue to invest quite deeply, both in New Jersey and in our business, because I just think that in order to usher in the next wave of therapies coming to market, they really need software to be the backbone of what they're trying to do. And we saw that very much in the last year, given, given what happened with COVID. So that's a perfect segue into the next question around AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning, ML, we use these as we use these uh, acronyms in the, in the discussion here. But how have those technologies, the implementation of AI and ML been part of the apprentice value prop and been part of you know how these these drugs are you know, being produced and, and come to market? So it's really interesting about life sciences for the folks listening that that most often when you think of pharma, think of life sciences, you think of pills. You, know, you think of pills, you get sick, you go to the doctor, you get an antibiotic, you know. Uh, but interestingly, this market is really starting to change towards biologics, which are your cancer drugs, your Alzheimer's drugs, your diabetes drugs, and the COVID vaccine, where these drugs are grown, they're not mixed. And that process is super duper complicated, but it's now even more moving towards personalized medicine, where there's a specific batch of drugs made for me and a specific batch of drugs made for you. But the difference though, is that what hasn't changed is the time these companies have for when they have what's called an exclusivity period over that drug. Because right now it costs over $1.8 billion to discover one drug and one out of every 5,000 
even make it to market. So it's very difficult, very expensive to even get a drug to market. But once it's there, they only have seven years of exclusivity before um, they lose that exclusivity and competition comes in. There's this whole thing that happens after it. But basically, what's really interesting is that there's a massive pressure now on time. Time, there was already a pressure on time in life sciences, but this has just exploded given just the massive investment that they have in this space. And so what we are doing and applying these new technologies towards is everything associated with time, time setting up the facility, time introducing the new product, time to run the batch, time between batches, the yield per batch, everything is all around developing more material faster using these new techniques. And how we use these new techniques is we take up all the data that's happening throughout the process, we then use that data to make predictions on the process, and ultimately that allows our customers to better orchestrate the process and execute the process in a way in which is both safe, reliable, and fast. And so ultimately we believe that these next group of drugs coming to market, which we'll talk about this, this new personalized medicine, uh, really demands a new piece of software using this emerging tech in order to help them increase their speed in which uh, they're getting this out to the patients that need it. It's really fascinating. I mean, for those, Really quickly, who who you know who are are concerned about the speed at which the COVID vaccine was produced? I'm curious what you tell those people. What you what your response is to people say? Well, this has all happened so fast and it's so new. Um, is there anything that you tell people based on your experience in this industry? Uh, absolutely. So you have to ask yourself, like, what takes so long? <laughs> like, why does it usually take 10 years? Like, what's going on in these 10 years? And typically, and I assume there's going to be a few software engineers uh, potentially listening in on this conversation, you know, think of it about the difference between waterfall and agile development, <laughs> where every other drug that's been produced, there's stages. Waterfall goes like this, it goes like this, it goes like that. The difference with the vaccine is that they had to take all of those different stages and then collapse them all at the same time. So you're running multiple parallel paths, multiple work, multiple work streams in order to do this basically together. But the thing is that there are still inherent guardrails built in to ensure safety. Um, there is obviously the, the piece that's concerned around the clinical trial process and the size of those clinical trials, just to put that in perspective, were frankly much bigger than a lot of the trials that many other drugs that come to market were built around. They just were happening in a very compressed and parallel fashion. You know, just think again, it went from stage-based to parallel compression all at the same time. But so is, is, is it accurate to say then that, I'm sorry to cut you off that, no, no, it may, it, maybe it used to be that a thousand people in a certain age bracket, I don't know if it was based on race and gender as well, but you know, maybe you did that first for a couple of months and then somebody, a different group for another few months. And this way they said, let's just give it to as many as possible in each group at the same time. And is that a simpler way of saying what you, you know, when you compress that, is it, or is it much, much more complicated? Um, so that is the part of the clinical trial process. That's exactly what they did. So Moderna in particular had a very diverse, very diverse uh, and inclusive set of folks that were participating in their clinical trials. But the, the groups of patients weren't just diverse. They were very geographically spread out as well. So they specifically targeted um, hot zones. Um, I forgot what was the exact phrase they used. But basically, they looked at all these different areas of the country, created a diverse set, and they had no shortage of volunteers because there were so many people uh, really lining up to help this fight and to help us get out of this. And then through that, effectively, 
multiple parallel execution all at the same time, they were able to capture the same, frankly, even more data than a typical drug that's coming to market. But combined with the, the normal guardrails that the FDA puts into place on how do you define if a drug is safe or not, that still happened. It's just the only difference is it all happened at the same time. Um, and I think that was a big, really interesting takeaway. And the second piece that happened at the same time is not just the clinical trials, but the manufacturing, because ordinarily it goes from like small scale to medium scale to a little bit more than medium scale to big scale to, you know, there, there's this whole stage up scale up process. Instead, they just went straight to manufacturing. And so the whole manufacturing process, the introduction of the product um, was very, very different last year. And that was, those were some of the big learnings that we've taken out of it. Cause why can't we do that with other drugs? Why can't we introduce new product into facilities faster and take some of those learnings out of the, the race last year. So that's right. You're, the goal of your company is to do exactly that, right? Take these critical drugs and therapies, get them to market in a safer way. So beyond COVID, you know, what other areas of healthcare are you looking at? So this comes back to this big shift that's happening in life sciences, where it's no longer going to be about uh, making one drug for millions and millions of people. There's this new massive initiative called cell and gene therapy. The cell side is you take your own blood, your own white blood cells. And for example, I'm in Warren, New Jersey today. Cell gene is five minutes down the road from me in Warren, New Jersey. Perfect example where they're one, by the way, fun fact about New Jersey, one of the largest commercial manufacturers of personalized medicine on planet earth is five minutes down the road, uh, which is, which is quite cool. But the point is, what happens now is instead of uh, going through chemo and surgery, they do go through those things too, but they ship your blood, your blood with your white blood cells in it. They ship it over to the facility over in Warren. They isolate your white blood cells. They use a virus to modify your white blood cells to teach your own cells to go seek and destroy the cancer effectively. They ship it back to you in the hospital bed and then using your own immune system, your own immune system, your own white blood cells, your own body will then fight back um, against these, these really nasty, nasty cancers. And what's really interesting about this is that it's very effective. Um, they're seeing survival rates well deep into the high 90% um, for blood cancers, which is what Celgene, um, for example, is focusing on. But there's a whole crop, whole crop of these new therapies coming to market designed around the patient and the patient's body, the patient's cells that teaches the patient's body to fight against these cancers instead of just trying to treat the disease with, with a generic antibody, for example. And then the second thing that's super interesting is I was going to share that uh, exciting news around CRISPR. So for the folks that aren't familiar with CRISPR on the call, uh, CRISPR is a way to edit genes effectively. Think about it like uh, a Microsoft Word editor for your genes. <laughs> uh, and basically, every drug that's ever been designed and developed has been a treatment. But this is an actual cure. They will edit out the mutations in your genes to literally remove whatever disease it is. Um, you know, there's, they're focusing on a very specific subclass of disease right now, but they can effectively edit out um, the disease from your body. And that whole manufacturing process, that whole way of doing things is changing. And Intellia, um, Intellia just had the first ever successful trials of CRISPR, uh, human trials of CRISPR that was uh, uh, approved by the FDA, which is really super exciting. So this new world is coming. This new world is coming of how do we treat disease? How do we treat human health? 
But the sophistication level, as you can imagine, is incredibly high to manufacture a batch on an individual patient basis. And so what we are focusing on is that. Our software is being designed for that. We are leading the charge in that area. And we have a huge swath of customers, like some of the folks I just mentioned, who, who really, I think, are ushering in this next wave of therapies coming to market. So, you know, when I think of your business, and it's, it's an industry I don't know real well, I've learned a ton about it from you, but it almost sounds like the the uh, 3D printers, you know, the ability to have small batch individualized items in a in the healthcare industry is, is that a relatable metaphor? Oh yeah. oh yeah, and and where this is going to go, where this is going to go is uh, you're gonna have to squint a little. I don't know if this is five years or ten years. That, that I don't have a crystal ball about. But eventually, in the hospital. In the hospital, there will be a mini manufacturing suite that is while you're in your hospital bed, they will ship your blood to a section of the hospital. And they will then manufacture um, a drug specifically for you, tailored to you. This world is coming. There was $20 billion invested in it last year. And so this is coming. It's just uh, the sophistication level is so high that the, that the technology, the technology folks like us, you know, we're doing everything we possibly can to make sure that we can deliver on this future state. You envision a time when, or does Apprentice currently have a full suite? Let me say this another way. If everyone used the full suite of products today, how would it transform treatment? And then I'm curious, you know, your bigger vision, the five to 10 year piece of this, what's Apprentice's role? And you know, what's Apprentice's role now? What is it in the five to 10 year vision? Yeah, so right now we are almost myopically focused on one thing, which is really nailing the manufacturing process and ensuring our customers can increase their speed to market and get more material out to the patients that need it. That is our number one strategic objective right now. Um, but that wrapped up in that strategic objective is, is really trying to unlock this cell and gene therapy world. Uh, we're all learning together with my customers. They're learning with us. We're learning with them. And, and there's a lot of uncharted territory right now around the best way in which that you, you even do some of this manufacturing. So a lot of it's being learned and innovated on and, and delivered uh, like literally as we speak. But where are we going? Where are we going as a company? Um, so to me, manufacturing is just the heart. It's just the beginning of this much bigger vision where I just see an opportunity to connect from the patient all the way back to manufacturing and to build out um, so many capabilities for our customers in order to better serve the patient going forward. Because a lot of the times, interestingly enough, every other bit of product has some data on the customer. You know, how do they use it? What were the outcomes for the patient? Uh, not really in pharma. It's, it's actually interesting in a sense that there's a lot of data on adverse effects. There's a lot of data on, you know, the things that go wrong, but it's kind of hard sometimes to track back some of the individuality uh, back to the manufacturing process. Um, so that's where we see the world going. We see the world being able to track outcomes, outcomes back to the manufacturing process to ultimately make better, uh, more effective, more safe, more reliable drugs uh, for the patients that need them. And so that's our big next gen thesis. But right now we just got to figure out how to even make these, these individual drugs for, for our customers and the patients that need it. It's awesome. It's really, really exciting stuff. And it's, and it's great that it's happening right here in New Jersey. New Jersey. And I know you're usually I have to sell New Jersey a little. You're like my right hand man in, oh, in no. New Jersey's narrative. I love which I love. And so I'm curious, in your case, how has being in New Jersey been a benefit? 
So interestingly enough, um, we, we really are one of the fastest growing companies out there right now. If you look at any metric, um, ARR growth, retention growth, team growth, uh, pretty much everything is very, very high. But a lot of our customers are here in New Jersey. There are 3,000, 3,000 farm and biotech companies here in the state of New Jersey. And there is literally no other better place to start a company like this because New Jersey also has the highest per capita amount of scientists anywhere in the world. And so we can pull talent into this company, both from New Jersey and the tri-state area and be able to then access our customers with like a half an hour drive from our office. And so it's pretty remarkable just how this state structurally is perfectly set up to both draw talent, but also in our case, give us access to customers. And so for our type of company, again, for our type of company, to me, there's no better place in the world that we could have started this thing. Uh, the only difference now is that we are expanding globally. We are starting to even get out to California, which is very exciting. Uh, and so, you know, as we start to scale Apprentice, um, the, the footprint will expand, but we will ultimately be rooted, rooted back to New Jersey. Would you make the same case to someone who's not building a health and life sciences company? I would make the same case because it's not just life science companies that are here in New Jersey, large enterprises. I, I think people don't really understand how many of the top 200 companies are actually in our backyard. We have some of the largest consumer packaged goods companies, some of the largest uh, telco companies, some of the largest uh, tech companies too, like, like IBM and others that are here in the state. And, and there's just so much opportunity to then crack into these types of organizations and at the same time have access to talent both in New Jersey from the tri-state area and be in such a capitally efficient location that as a young entrepreneur, you know, you know <laughs> I can't afford rent in Manhattan, let's be completely frank. And so it has the infrastructure, the infrastructure in place that allows you to take risk and ultimately grow in life sciences or out. Well, and in your case, even if you could afford the rent, I think this was a good strategic move, but I think it's so fascinating that, um, you know, I'm a big believer in build best in class businesses that happen to be here, but there are, some, and then the, 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 the geographic effect is, is, uh, sort of flows over. Mm -hmm. There are some instances though, where there are some very clear industry strengths and clearly this is, this is one of them, but you know, 1%, just less than 1% of the venture capital that gets invested each year in the country goes to New Jersey and, you know, companies like yours are obviously helping to, to improve that stat. So regardless of where you were, I always am thrilled and, and learn a lot in talking with you. Congratulations on all the, the really incredible growth. It's, it's really fantastic. And it's, as you know, we've said this many times and every time I'm reminded of our mission, then and when we talk about it, how you are exemplify this, helping, empowering those who are building a better future for all, it's clearly uh, aligned with your mission at Apprentice. And so, uh, Really appreciate the partnership and the friendship. And thanks again for, for joining us today. Uh, you're very welcome, Aaron. And uh, just for everybody listening, uh, you know, we're, we're really getting back here. And I can't wait to see all of you, hopefully in person sometime soon, because I think this state is leading the charge out of this pandemic. I think the state and the people in this state are really innovating in many, many different ways, not just life sciences. I know a lot of the other entrepreneurs do. And we are really, I think, leading the charge where it won't be 1% going forward. I, I have a pretty strong, pretty, pretty strong inclination on that one. We're making we're making some moves. So we'll we'll end with a high five too. We're gonna do a bookended high five. One, two, three, boom. I like the Steve Jobs t-shirt situation you have going on there. Which I was really lazy little... this morning. I was really lazy. <laughs> You're looking good. It's all right. Be well. It's very nice to talk to you, and uh hopefully we'll see you in person soon. 
Likewise. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for listening. Let us know your favorite takeaways on social media at We Are Tech United. Stay tuned. More of Tech United on Tap next.